Welcome inside the Hill City Highlights podcast, a podcast about the people of Lynchburg for the people of Lynchburg. Now, here's your host, Alan York. Welcome back inside another edition of our Hill City Highlights podcast, episode four. And today we're going to dive in with Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. That's Smoke S-M-O-A-K. Uh, so Ken, good to catch up with you. Uh, we've been buddies for a couple of years here. Um, just kind of take me into your world now in the world of barbecue and catering and just the food service industry and the success you're having here in Lynchburg. Then we'll kind of get into your career uh, as uh, the owner and operator of County Smoke Barbecue. Absolutely. I don't thank you for having me on the show. Uh, glad to be here. Um, you know, we started May 12th of 2020 the absolute worst time to ever open anything. Uh, Restaurants typically are one of the most risky things to ever open. And we did it in absolutely the wrong time to ever do it. But, um, you know, necessity uh, breeds success sometimes. And I think you're going to see that this is the new, um, what I call my grandparents' generation of success stories that you see that came out of the Great Depression. Um, you know, Jess has kind of coined a phrase that we use called COVIDpreneurs, where people are going to be talking about the businesses that started during COVID or right after COVID. I think till, you know, your children and my children have children and they're going to be like, oh, you know, Grandpa Ken and Grandma Jess started County Smoke back in like 2020, like it was so long ago. But, you know, you think about the 1930s and it's this kind of, you know, economic problems that were going on and, and workforce was not working. And so you're looking at a lot of similarities there. And, you know, one of our successes has been being able to pivot and move. And as a business that was opening and figuring things out, we were able to pivot a lot faster than other restaurant groups and larger places that had, you know, really big dining rooms and huge mortgages and stuff like that. And we got, you know, we worked hard for it, but we also kind of hit like the perfect storm of already having online ordering, you know, as a, as a process, because we were in a small building, we already knew these things were, would be needed for our success. And then when COVID happened, we were kind of poised to, to strike while that fire was hot. So joined by Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. While we're on the topic, Ken, if you open it up your business, uh, most of everybody knows where you're, location is there on Timberlake Road. What, what moment in time, Ken, uh, did you and Jess look at each other? You never want to say we made it, but coming out of COVID or maybe during that time in 2020 where we're on to something here. Uh, there's a spark and there's a flame starting to build here. We're going to be just fine. And you never want that feeling of complacency. But what point for you and Jess did you think, we're going to be okay here off Timberlake. Um, you know, even yesterday we were worried about things. So I don't know for Jess and I, it's never been something with both of our trainings and both of us being chefs and, and in the chef industry in general, you don't rest on your laurels. I mean, when I was an apprentice of the Greenbrier, the rule was, you know, your first plate and your last plate have to be exactly the same always. And you're only as good as your last dish. And so, for us, every rib we check, every pork butt we check, you know, we try not to get complacent on it and, you know, keep our staff going. Uh, one of our friend, uh, our customers, Brandon, comes in three or four times a week, you know, 
he, he tried the smoked banana pudding. He's like, this is maybe one of the best smoke or one of the best banana puddings we've ever had. And, you know, Jess is like, where was his favorite one at? And, you know, and he's like, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm telling you right now, she's going to ask me, Brandon, because she's going to want to know what was different about it, what you liked more. He goes, it's not that I necessarily know a better one. He's like, it's just one of the best. He's like, I can't place it. But for us, it's like any kids with us, he's like, it's like you guys are Ricky Bobby. He's like, you know, second place is the first loser. And that's how we judge everything all day long. You know, if we mess something up, we own it which I think is different than a lot of restaurants these days because they're just struggling to have bodies in place. But we're really trying to cultivate a culture of, you know, professionalism, bringing quality of what we do every day and customer service, which frankly has just been lacking in all industries since COVID. And I think by us focusing on it, it gives us a standout. I mean, we're a little shack here on, on Timberlake Road. I mean, if you drive too fast down the hill from U-Haul, you miss us. But once you come in, you'll never forget us. No doubt about that. Joined by Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. We're mentioning Jess, uh, his lovely wife that uh, worked with you as well, Ken. And um, I, I think it's you hear a song for the first time. You're either going to want to listen to it a second time, a third time, or – I don't care too much for it. And uh, food is the same way. And I think you only get that one time to make a good first impression. I remember hearing about County Smoke and our video team came out and did a did a video uh, part of This is Lynchburg. And I mm -hmm. had not heard about County Smoke yet. And then some people here at Liberty were like, you got to go. And when their eyes get as big as silver dollars, you know, I got to check it out. And I did. And I loved it. And I've been a fan ever since. Uh, do want to go back to kind of growing up. Where are you from? And uh, how did you get into uh, wanting to be a chef? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, my dad always cooked at the house. My mom swears she cooked the first 11 years of my life. But then my mom went to law school and she was busy and I jokingly kid now that my mom only knows where the kitchen is because the coffee maker's in there. Um, so uh, it's just something that I, I've loved food. And then, you know, I thought I wanted to be a chef, but in the early 90s, late 80s, it wasn't a, a considered a, a professional career, let's say, in terms of in, in the communities. And it wasn't a lawyer. It wasn't a banker. It wasn't a doctor. You know, it wasn't like one of the, the white collar uh, fields. So, you know, growing up in New York City and, you know, I went to a private school. My parents, you know, Food Network was maybe just starting when I started looking at being a chef. Uh, my dad had a bunch of cookbooks because he really loved cooking. And, you know, my dad says when I was 12, I went and grabbed a Paul Perdone cookbook off the shelf found a recipe walked to the grocery store on eastern parkway new york bought all the ingredients and made it and ever since then i've been cooking at home or, or professionally and then my mom kids that she sent me to go be a dishwasher at a small 50 seat restaurant in brooklyn called the garden cafe and she said I, I just had to find a way to feed you because you ate so much and so you know as a growing boy working in restaurants you were you know you always had food around and so it just, and then I loved it. I love the stress of it. I love the chaos. Every day is different. I mean, I imagine it's like for you when you, when you're 
doing sports announcing, every game is different. You're going to see different kids playing different schools, schools you've seen a hundred times that you guys have played against and schools that like, especially with conference USA this year that are brand new that you've never mm-hmm. been. The team's never has no history with them. So it's excitement for you. I'm sure, you know, and that's why I love cooking. Every day is different, whether it's, my sous chef calling and saying there's been a pit fire and he's had to pull fire extinguishers to, Hey, you know, the, the, they didn't deliver pork bus today and we've got a party for 800 tomorrow. What are we going to do? So. Chopping it up with Ken Hess with County smoke barbecue. So your first job in the food industry, how old were you Ken and what did you do? I was 15 years old. I was a dishwasher. Like I said, it was the garden cafe, a small place in Brooklyn, New York, it was ranked number 50 in the Zagat Guide for New York City for many years while uh, John and Camille ran it, which, it, you know, for people who don't know the Zagat Guide, it's a guide that lists lots of, new, lots of high-quality restaurants within the city. And to be even on it in New York City is a huge, you know, honor. And then to be, you know, it was a small, I, I think it was 25 seats, maybe 30, hmm. you know, and to be ranked number 50 is a pretty big deal in New York city and even for a Brooklyn restaurant to be ranked and the Zagat guy was pretty crazy. So, you know, and I did dishes and, you know, then it was one day the chef John's like, here, learn how to cut this onion or learn how to do this. And I just loved it. And being able to create things, which, you know, with barbecue, it's the closest you can get to alchemy, which is when people were trying to turn like coal into gold and stuff like that, pouring chemicals on them and stuff. And really, you take these tough cuts of meat and you put them in a smoker for long hours, lots of smoke, wood, and fire, and you end up with a beautiful piece of meat that this raw it wasn't going to give it to you because it's a tougher cut. But if you treat it right, it turns into gold later. So, so how does a joy 15, how does a 15-year-old kid in Brooklyn washing dishes get into being a pit master? Tell us uh, the migration yeah. and how many years that took to – hone in on what you wanted to focus on? Well, for me, I mean, so I wanted to go to the Culinary Institute of America when I first got out of high school. But like I said, you know, it wasn't a career path yet um, for people. Um, my parents wanted me to go and get a business degree first, just in case this cooking thing never worked out. My father's side of the family went to Oklahoma State, and at the time, Oklahoma State had one of the top five ranked hotel and restaurant schools in the country. Now, the only place that ranked hotel and restaurant schools was Cornell, which was always ranked number one. So um, I had originally applied to Cornell. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going too fast. No, you're good. But, so I had applied to Cornell and my SAT scores were not very good. Uh, and I didn't make it in, and, and my friend Charlie Qualwasser, who ended up going to UVA, he was interviewing at Cornell, and the interviewee was like, we don't normally ask about other students in, a, in an interview, but this guy, Ken Hess, says he's got like 2,000 hours in a restaurant, and, you know, he applied, and we just want to know, is he, and I had gone to school with him since fifth grade, so he's like, Ken goes home from school and does his homework on the bus ride home, and goes and washes dishes and cooks on the weekends. And that's all he does. He plays football or, and does sports, but he's going to be a chef. And you know, I didn't get in Cornell, but I got in Oklahoma State, which five years at Oklahoma State, which I, I got done in four with two minors in a business, would have equaled one year of Cornell's tuition at the time. Mm. So 
you know, with, with my father's side of family going to Oklahoma State, I got in-state tuition. Hmm. And then from there, I went to the Culinary Institute of America. And, you know, they didn't teach barbecue at Oklahoma State, but I ate barbecue while I was in Oklahoma State. And so I started eating it. And barbecue is one of those cuisines that's really passed down by word of mouth. Hmm. And there's not a lot of cookbooks on it or his well, there's more now in the last 10 years but you, you just started you had to learn it and so i'd go hang out up with the, after cia when again they didn't teach you about barbecue at all it was it was mentioned in our american regional cuisines class but it was like oh yeah american barbecue that's one of the american cuisines and <laughs> that's about how far it went so uh go ahead that was it no, my bad. And so, you know, while I was at CIA, I went down to the Greenbrier Resort. Because at the time, I thought I wanted to be a certified master chef and do the fine dining forever. And I got left CIA and went down to uh, West Virginia. And I thought there'd be lots of barbecues. And my mind from being from New York, you know, Virginia West or, or regular is just the South to me. <laughs> and I thought there'd be barbecue everywhere. And I walked in this barbecue shack in Ronsford. Uh, no, was it Ronsford? It doesn't matter. Over by Lewisburg, West Virginia. One day on a day off, I walked in, and there were these ladies in, like, lab coats, and there's all these steam-jacketed kettles, and it was a Spud's barbecue. And I was like, hey, I'm just here to get some barbecue, like a sandwich or some ribs or something. Like, no, sir, this is where we cook down these pork butts and barbecue sauce, and we package in cups for Walmart and Food Line, <laughs> and we just ship it cold. And I'm like... Well, this isn't what I wanted. So I ended up hanging out with the, the guy, Ethan Heilman, who did all the barbecue at the resort at the time at the Greenbrier. And the Greenbrier was a training hotel because I was an apprentice. And if you wanted to learn how to butcher a cow, you'd go down when they bought the state cows in from the state fair and, and the championship pigs and cow. And you learn how to break down all the animals. And because it was a teaching hotel, you want to learn about pastries, you went to the pastry shop on on your off hours. So I would do that with Ethan. I would go up and put meat on with him, help him pull it off, and just started liking barbecue. And then I bought a small offset smoker from Walmart, which at the time at $150 was a lot of money for me. Yeah. And, you know, right next to the shack here, I've got a $50,000 smoker sitting here right now. So um, a lot of money is always relative, but... Uh, you know, I started doing barbecue, and, and a lot of the servers in our area raised pigs and stuff, and they worked at the hotel for their insurance money, and they would ask me to cook hogs for them. And so I needed a bigger smoker, and I started doing contests. Hmm. My first contest ever was here in Lynchburg, Virginia, down on the waterfront, uh, about where that water fountain is next to the water dog. Um, yeah. My rig was parked there right along the railroad. And uh, you know, I never knew I'd be back here, but – Started competing, and in 2008, in the, the crash, I was teaching barbecue classes with, we'd help bring in Chris Lilly, Myron Mixon, and Ray Lampy, who's Dr. Barbecue, the Greenbrier, and during that time, CSX Salt was selling the Greenbrier Resort because of the economic struggles, and I got hired down by Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur, Alabama, and with that crash, there was a big movement away from, I would say, fine dining and more comfort and casual kind of more comfort food. And barbecue fit that. And, and the reaction we got from guests at the hotel, people just loved our barbecue. And 
I didn't see guests when I was in the fine dining restaurants in the same manner. Whereas when I was doing the catering chef at barbecue chef at the, at the Greenbrier, you know, I dealt with the customers that were having their weddings. I dealt with their children and they'd bring them back. And, and that was what I loved. And people love the comfort food. And so I just kept going. And then I, I worked for a great family down at Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur, Alabama. And then, and this is a long story about my it's okay. Everyone goes into it. but uh, We love it. We love it. My oldest daughter got into um, uh, Mary Baldwin in Stanton, Virginia, when she was 13. And she was going to be 12 or 14 hours away from us in college. She skipped all of high school and just said, hey, we've got to find a job near Virginia. And she's like, I'm not, I don't want to live in White Sulphur where the Greenbrier was. She's like, we're not going back there because there's not much in that town. There's like 2,000 people. And so she's like, we got to find something. And I reached out to Tuffy Stone, who's uh, on a lot of the Barbie Pitmaster shows. He's been a friend of mine since about 2003. And, you know, he's from Lynchburg, Virginia originally. And he was partnered with uh, Steve Perry for a couple projects up in Richmond. Mm -hmm. And Steve had some work for me down here in Lynchburg. And we ended up loving Lynchburg. We love, you know, the mountains. We love the, the people we've met here. And it's just something we just fell in love again with the mountains, which I, I missed them when leaving the Greenbrier. But our two youngest ones had some great experiences at schools nearby. And hmm. so then we were like, well, let's see. And then you start dining around and, and there wasn't amazing barbecue here in town. Um, you know, there were people doing good things, but, you know, not our style and how we wanted to open a place. So, you know, after driving three months around the country in an RV with three kids and a dog, we kind of went to a lot of RV places where we saw a lot of great things, a lot of not so great things. And that developed just as my concept for how we wanted to run a barbecue place and the quality we wanted. And when it came time with COVID and looking for spots and we actually signed the lease for this February 1st of COVID year. And then, you know, March 13th, the whole world blew up and, we, we had a then we opened we had three thousand dollars left in all of our accounts i had enough money to buy uh jess and i had three picnic tables my dad picked them up on the back of a truck with my daughter at the time's ex-boyfriend now but yeah and, and that's what people came on you know and, and that's what we had and so for those of you that have come since the beginning days to see how big it's gotten now is kind of crazy <laughs> And, you know, every time somebody comes back to drop their kids off to Liberty and they're like, oh, I remember when, you know, my son was a freshman and you guys were here. And now he's a junior. And look at how much stuff you guys have. And it's it's just been an amazing thing. And uh, at, at no day do we ever wake up saying, man, we made it because every day with now County Sunrise coming up or having to find staff to do inside the Liberty football stadiums all that we have now. We're constantly, we don't have time right now to rest and be like, Hey, we made it. And it's right. like, we're still working on the line. We're still, you know, meeting contractors trying to get construction done. So it's pretty wild. Going by Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. Uh, lots to still talk to you about Ken. Uh, and obviously we're talking about County Smoke. You mentioned County Sunrise who, I know you and I have talked about it, but publicly, a lot of people may not know you're opening up a second uh, venue 
take us inside yeah. that venue. What, what's it going to be? Uh, hours of operation. And uh, just tell our listeners uh, there's uh, other county smoke opportunities uh, away from Timberlake Road to enjoy some uh, some good uh, southern country cooking. Yeah, so County Sunrise, I mean, Jess and I, with both of us being chefs, have so many ideas on different things that we'd love to do here. But we can't take away from what is our core foundation of, of barbecue here at County Smoke. So, you know, we've talked about doing breakfast items and all this stuff, and Jess loves breakfast. I mean, when we started dating, I didn't eat breakfast because I worked nights, and I'd rather sleep in if I got home at 1 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. than get up and make breakfast any day. But when she and I started dating, it's like her favorite meal of the day, and I, I, I now like breakfast a lot more. Um, but we, we feel there's a need here for quality scratch cooking of, of southern breakfast, southern brunch. And with Jess's uh, heritage, we've got a lot of things that we've developed over the years. Like like our smoked chicken and dumplings are done with matzo ball style for the, the dumplings versus the slider biscuit dough style you know, dumplings that people seem to like in the south as well. But even with smoke, like our slaws and everything, it's, it's our twist on it. So you're going to see latkes, which is like a huge dish that's almost every night during Passover because it's fried in oil and, and it's part of the Festival of Lights. So latkes are a potato cake that um, are great for breakfast, lunch, dinner. I don't care when you eat them, but uh, you'll see those on the menu. We're going to be our pastrami at the Green Bar where we cure our own and then do a rub and smoking our around here for over there. Um, all these different kind of things, biscuits from scratch. A lot of places are doing, you know, pre-made frozen biscuits and the quality's not there. And so it's next to Paulie's Barbershop on Lakeside Drive, just down from Givens Books. County Sunrise will be open Tuesday through Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. every day, closing at 2 during the week, and then Saturday and Sundays we're at 3. Um, but it's going to be a bright space. It's going to be, you know, all inside seating. Unlike here, where I have seats inside, there's going to be 40 to 45 seats inside for you. There's going to be a, a penny top bar that we're getting built and putting in. So you'll be able to, like, if you're just coming right before you're dropping your kids off from school, or you, let's say you drop your kids off at school and you're like, man, they were just terrors this morning. I didn't get to eat, but I need to come get a quick breakfast burrito with filled with some smoked brisket or some pulled pork in it. You can come get that, your coffee, and then hit, head on into work if you need to. Or if you've got a meeting and you want to talk to Coach Chadwell about, you know, the future of the program <laughs> and, and what's going on, we could have a brunch, too, for you. Yeah. So um, we're just, you know, the smoked chicken wings at the football stadium. We don't have a fryer here at County Smoke, so those will be featured over there. So you'll see barbecue and smoked meats on the menu, but it's not going to be a barbecue restaurant. Right. It's just going to, you'll see highlight our barbecue throughout the menu. So when's the expected open date of that? Man, I thought uh, three months ago I'd already be open. But um, with the delays of life, you know, um, we originally said mid-September because we wanted to get the first two home football games under our belt at the stadium. But looking at the delays I've had recently, it's probably going to be that last week of September, first week in October, which – you know, with this year, with the Tuesday and Thursday games in October with Conference USA, mm -hmm. it's still going to be good for us to do that because we're, we'll have the staff here for Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, 
helping over at the stadium. Plus, we can use our sunrise staff in the nights because we're a.m. hours. So it'll still work out well for us. We're just we're excited to show the public. Our, our sign goes up tomorrow at 7 a.m., and we know that that's going to be like a flood of questions. We've kind of like been like, you know, I see you, I tell you about it, but we haven't like broadcast that we're opening it up. Everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So I think the can of worms is going to be open. <laughs> Joe my Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. A couple more thoughts here, Ken. Speaking of uh, smoking meats, uh, you're a professional at doing that. Um, and you and I text occasionally about, hey, I'm going to try to do this. Give me a tip or two. Um, the beauty of cooking is people can put their own spin on it. Uh, same thing with smoking. There's no perfect way to do it. But when we go to restaurants, it's like, I like this, how they do it. I, that other place, I don't really like how they do it. So taste is important. Uh, getting to a question here, there's there's a perfect way to do it to you, but just the scratch smoker, they can put their own spin on it. And that's kind of cool when it comes to uh, people doing it at their house. But can you mess it up in a way, I guess, uh, when it's all said and done? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many people that um, I'd say there's two things. A, depending on what you're using, how often you're opening it up and closing it. The, the, the old phrase is if, if you're looking, you're not cooking uh, for barbecue in the barbecue world. So if you're opening that smoker, it's going to take 30, 40 minutes to recover if it's not a good smoker. I mean, our Endeavor, which is our big smoker we have, it recovers in 10 minutes which is a pretty quick time when you have 144 butts sometimes on there. Um, but anytime you're opening that, that smoker up, if it's not a smoker that can recover the heat, like a lot of the ceramic cookers, like Green Eggs and Kamada Joe's, recover heat very quickly. Yeah. The triggers can can do it as well. Um, I know you said, I think it was last night, the day before, looking on your Weber. Yeah, the Weber grill is the classic American grill. And I know a lot of people have been very successful with smoking on the Weber, but the really how thin the metal is, and, and it's not it's designed for grilling and not holding low temperatures. You're going to be feeding that in charcoal every 20 minutes to get the barbecue to smoke a butt. Where something like, like a ceramic cooker, I could load it once and I have to load it again for 24 hours. All of those things are tricks that help people, but and I, I would say the next thing is, is that most people don't cook pork butts and briskets long enough. Hmm. Uh, uh, they pull it off too early. They think it's up, and really, we're, we're pulling butts and briskets between two or three to ten, and it's by feel, and it, you know, that's probably. I mean, it takes we say train somebody, we train people on pulling these off of our smokers for three to four months before. And to think about a position where, where it's the meats is like that, where I'm telling people that some of them have 10 years in the business and I'm like, it's going to be three to four months till you get it. Hmm. Um, we just hired a young woman who's coming from another barbecue place. who has been with them for two years and off the street. I don't know that I'm going to find somebody in this market that will have her base knowledge of barbecue right now. I, this isn't Texas. In Texas, you can get a pit master all day long, all over the place that have worked with great restaurants because they're all over Texas. They're yeah. not as many here in Virginia. 
And so for us, it's, you know, for me to not be here and for you to get the same quality every time, you know, minus some variations if somebody cut something a little bit wrong, but we really, most, most people say that we're very consistent and, and to keep that consistency level, that three to four months training for a guy or girl in the pit room, it, it's for real because yeah, it sounds like just throw some rub on some ribs and throw them in there, but we check every rib, we check every butt, every brisket, every chicken, because a lot of other places were like, oh, the ribs all been on six hours. Well, you know, if you took, let's say, well, I'm going to pick on Brendan uh, for number 55, but Brendan's a big guy, right? He's probably weighs more than me right now because he's <laughs> playing football, but he's let's say he's 325 pounds, right? But he's lifting weight. Whereas I'm like 285. I've been as high as 320 since you know me. If you were to cook, we'd cook differently because I'm now softer. I'm older. I've worked more, but he's leaner. So he's not going to have as much fat in him and all that. It's the same with animals. Every pig is different. Every cow is different. So you may get one shoulder from one pig that was raised differently out in a field versus being penned up, and they're going to cook differently. They had a harder life and or weren't mm. fed as well. And so you've got to check every piece of meat exactly every time, and that's hard for people to understand. And, you know, we've had some chefs come here and work with us. They thought barbecue would be easy, and they found it extremely frustrating because they never had Going back, Ken Hess with County Smoke Barbecue. What's your favorite uh, piece of meat to eat, Ken? Whether it be yours or somewhere else, what, what, like rib, brisket, pulled pork. What, what's your wheelhouse? Um. Well, I think for every day here, our smoked turkey is probably what the staff we tend to go to the most. That and the chicken are probably the lightest in terms of richness that where you could eat a turkey sandwich and you don't feel like you need to go take a nap. Yeah. I almost never eat one of our stuffed potatoes because I'd be down for the count. You know, they're huge. And, and you know, the line, they'll eat two of those in a sandwich. And I'm like, even in my prime, I don't think I could eat two in a sandwich. But these guys eat so much. But, um, you know, if you're talking steaks, I love a ribeye. Um, I remember when I stodged at the Greenbrier, I was stodging with a guy named Rich Hoffman working the beef line, and there was tenderloin. I was, he's like, hey, you want a tenderloin? I was like, yeah, I'll eat a free filet, sure. He said, yeah, I'm bored with him. And I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to be tired of a, of a filet of beef, right? Yeah. And I won't touch one with a 10-foot pole now because they just don't have the flavor that I like. I mean, I like a ribeye. I like a skirt steak or a hanger steak. Something that has more connective tissue and more flavor to them to me than a filet. So I, the the meat that people say, what's what are you most proud of? Our brisket is probably the one that we put the most work into to get it to where it is today. But, you know, our pork butts are, are amazing. We sell the most of pork sandwiches and then mac and cheese. And then, but the brisket probably sells out faster. But, you know, it's one of those tricky things, too. It's like, you know, sometimes what you have to work harder for, you're proud of than the easier things. And right. pork butts were easy because at Big Bob Gibson's, we did so many pork butts and, and we won competitions with pork Pork was easy for me and Jess when we opened this because we'd been doing it for so long. The brisket and getting to a level of brisket like 
going after like those Texas Austin places like Franklin's and Style Switch and Valentine's or our friend Billy Durney's place in Hometown Barbecue in Brooklyn, we had a very specific goal of this is the brisket we want to replicate or, or, or get as close to. And, and to get there now with even just in switching smokers, you know, we taught a barbecue, some barbecue class in the spring and, you know, I'll, I'll be driving somewhere going to do something. And I'm thinking like, how am I going to talk about this recipe in this class? And I go through it in my head a few times and I thought, thought to myself, you know, if I was teaching this class a year ago, it would be a different class than today because we changed our brisket process up since we've opened even mm. because we got a new cooker that was a dark environment inside the chamber. We added a spray. We added a wrap earlier. We were still wrapping in butcher paper on the old jet mashers that we have. But we're, that cooking environment is a much moister environment. The, the moisture retention is way greater in there than the Endeavor. So we would wrap in butcher paper at the end of our cook, not in the middle. And now we wrap in the middle. Mm. And you, and just like any athlete, you know, if Kyle Rhodes three pointers off, he's he's there after the game trying to sink him again, and you know, and he's throwing hundreds hundreds of shots back up, but he's tweaking one thing here and there to make it better, and, and we treat it the same way. We keep notes on what the weather is, what type of smokers we're using, wow. you know. Am I using, you know, Excel beef? Am I using IBP? Am I using Nebraska's best, Iowa? I mean, we keep notes on all that stuff because just like any of the athletes that you interview and work with, we have to be that specific. And, you know, you mentioned for people new to barbecue, I always tell them change one thing on the, on your next cook. Hmm. Don't go change the rub the smoker, the type <laughs> of wood, and the sauce, and the engine. Change one thing. And every time that you go and cook, change one more thing, whether it's, you know, how long I'm cooking, the temperature, change one thing. And, and that's going to make you a more successful barbecue chef or, or cook over the time. And that's something that I don't see younger cooks doing that as much anymore. Everybody wants to have that Instagrammable post or, or dish. But you don't understand the, the why behind the dish, then you don't know how to ad adapt it and change it for today's market. And mm -hmm. that was something that when we were training at the Greenbrier, we, we read Escalier, which is like the French chef, who the king of chefs, they call him, who codified the brigade system in kitchens and, and the standard recipes and all this uh, stuff in French cuisine. And you know, we used to have to read the first 63 pages every year at the Greenbrier. But then when you read those classical dishes and how they made them, now you, I have a foundation of cookery that now I can change it and modernize it for today's taste or, or equipment or techniques that weren't there 150 years ago. And, and I can keep it adjusting, you know. And I guess I keep going back to football, but, you know, football has been played, what, 150 years in this country? Yeah. And, and there are still some techniques and things that are the same, but, like, the equipment's changed, the amount of medical attention these guys get now, and the amount of lifting. I mean, when I was coming up in high school, ball weightlifting was starting to be a thing. But, you know, I watched uh, that quarterback show with my home. Yeah. <laughs> college athlete since he was 12 
I mean, it just makes him much better of an athlete than anybody that was playing in the 90s would have been, you know. And, and I think that's the same as cooking, you know. You see a lot of guys are trying to do more like trying to feed and all this, but if they didn't the basic braising principles and sautéing principles to start, then, then just putting stuff in a, in a plastic bag and putting it in hot water, if you don't understand what's the, the principles behind it, you're not – you're just mimicking. You're you're not cooking and creating. I think that's a hard thing for new young chefs to figure out. Well, Ken, we have learned so much in the 40 minutes we've talked to you. We've talked about uh, temperature of the smoker. We've talked about taking notes as you grill and smoke. We've talked about uh, the texture of the meat, and uh, just appreciate you pulling back the curtain about what you guys do. Here are my three years of books. Yeah, for those on YouTube, there's the journals. You can see them right there, stacked one, two, and three. And uh, more, more of those to come with Ken Hess. Uh, Ken, best of luck to you down the road and with uh, uh, County Sunrise as well out there on Lakeside Drive. We just appreciate the time. And uh, a great friend of, of ours here with the Hill City Highlights podcast and a friend off there as well. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be invited. And uh, we look forward to listening to more podcasts over the next couple of years. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast. Have an idea for future shows? Email our team at hillcitypod at gmail.com. And join us each week for another episode of the Hill City Highlights podcast.